Texas Values supporters, thank you for tuning in to the Texas Values Report. My name is Mary Elizabeth and I'm the Policy Advisor here at Texas Values. It's been a very long week. We've had almost a midnight night every single night at the Texas Capitol because there was a very important deadline last night um, where all House bills had to be heard uh, on second reading or else they were dead in the House. You'll hear a little bit more about that from our guests, but one important bill that I know a lot of you were waiting to hear about was HB 1399, which is the bill protecting children from gender modification, which includes surgeries and puberty blockers. Now that bill unfortunately did not make it. Uh, it did not make the deadline to have it read on second reading uh, before that very important deadline in the house. So we're disappointed. However, it's still important that you contact your legislators about this issue. You may have actually read my piece in the Daily Signal where I talked a little bit about this issue, about how harmful it is to kids, how puberty blockers have very devastating effects on bone mass. They have devastating effects on fertility and sterility in the future, and how these surgeries are irreversible. Even the puberty blockers themselves can do irreversible change. So it's very important that we protect our youth from these very dangerous uh, surgeries. And we're very grateful uh, to Representative Krause for carrying this bill but you know, it, the battle is not over. It's very important that you get out in front of this issue. I think a lot of people are still learning about this issue and still wanting to get involved, but time is of the essence. And it's very important uh, that before May 28th, we can get some bill to the governor's desk that will protect children uh, from these puberty blockers, from these surgeries, from these things that are irreversible and actually don't really solve uh, a problem that tends to be more mental and more spiritual and does not need to be fixed by altering a child's gender. So please get involved in that issue. Uh, we have several other issues that are getting ahead and here to talk about a couple of those issues are Representative Briscoe Kane, and we're so happy to have him on our radio show today. Hey Mary Elizabeth, uh, excellent. A little tired from all these long nights, but uh, you know, in total, uh, Things have been really well. We've got, you know, heartbeats headed to the governor's desk, but uh, I'm excited and, and there's more opportunities to come. That's good. I mean, it's been a long week and you legislators have been working really hard and I know you survived a lot of chubbing and we'll explain to our listeners what that is a little bit later. But like you said, we're really happy about the heartbeat bill. Uh, so if you remember from last session, if you're listening to our radio station and you keep up with Texas values issues, Representative Briscoe Kane actually authored the heartbeat bill back in 2019. And that bill was very popular among legislators. It actually had 57 co-authors. Now, Representative Kane, can you talk a little bit about uh, what's your heart for the issue? You know, why was this bill so important for you last session? Yeah. Well, thankfully, you know, the kind of the people that are behind it nationally had, had kind of gotten me the idea. I actually got the idea from um, from former Congressman uh, Tom DeLay, who I met a few years ago and told me about it. And it's such an easy thing to talk about and it changes hearts and minds. You know, I, I prefer force and ultimately that we, we completely abolish abortion. Um, from the moment of conception. And, uh, but I recognize sometimes we've got to get what we can get done um, when we get it done. And this one 
this thing, the way it polls, I mean, we look at polling with the Democrats and independents on, uh, for example, a 20 week ban, right, on, on, on viability. And then compared to a poll of when the child has a heartbeat, it overwhelmingly they support it. And so it's an easy thing to talk about, right? If people have all held a child or they know what a heartbeat is and that draws on their heartstrings. And so, uh, right, and it's just, it's amazing how many people uh, uh, support it. And when you talk about whether a child should be able to be aborted after the detection of a heartbeat, it, it really kind of swings people our way. So I think it's not only great policy, but it also helps grow the movement and, and get people's minds thinking about what abortion really is, that it, that it stops a beating heart. Well, you're absolutely right. I think it's very hard to argue against uh, when you have a heartbeat. I mean, that's something that's vital to life. Uh, you heard a lot of people say in testimony, you know, it's the number one sign uh, that someone is living. So when you hear the other side try to call it a fetus, or even if you had Representative Howard who tried to say it's just the throbbing of tissue or whatever she tried to say it was, um, it's hard to argue that that's not a human being, that that's not a person when you actually have that heartbeat. And as you may know, Representative Kane, a lot of mothers, you know, once they hear that heartbeat, that's when it becomes real to them about what's going to happen next in their lives. So you're absolutely right. And um, you actually spoke at our policy conference, I think last year about this issue um, with Janet Porter. And so we know that this is a very important issue uh, for you, but, um, you know, it's moving forward. And you can probably explain a little to our listeners, you know, uh, kind of the process of legislation and, you know, how we got to this point this year um, in getting the heartbeat bill uh, close to the governor's desk. Yes. Well, thankfully, this year we had a, a Senate sponsor. Uh, Senator Hughes had, had learned about it from, I think, Janet Porter, actually, who just okay. mentioned we call her the godmother of the heartbeat bill. And uh, she got him interested and, and we communicated and he wanted to file one. So that's that's an important thing based on the legislative process. And you've got something of such high value or what some may call controversial bills. I don't call it a controversial bill. It's a life-saving bill. It's an important bill. It's a key priority of, of just of conservatives or Christians or people that want to save human life. So Senator Hughes uh, and I we worked for, gosh, some six months ahead of this time to write a a very unique version of the heartbeat bill. It's nothing else like in the country after the governor signs it. And uh, we both filed campaigns in the House and then unknowing that I would be named the chair of elections, um, since you'd not be able to carry both. Um, and thankfully, Representative Slauson, Shelby Slauson, a new freshman, had come in. She had a heart for the bill as well. And we decided that her passion for it, she was the right one. And gosh, if anybody saw her on the floor debating this issue, she did such a great job. I couldn't have done that. So the start, you know, uh, God really aligned it perfectly for her to be able to do it. And so Senate Bill, uh, it's eight, right, came over to the, yes. the house and she picked it up and it's on the way to the governor's desk. Can be more excited. It's amazing. I, I had tears in my eyes uh, calling, uh, you know, calling Janet Porter and telling her and calling former Congressman Tom DeLay and others being so excited that uh, Texas is, is very close to getting it done. Yes. And, you know, we've been saying at our office, this is probably the biggest pro-life bill that Texas has, you know, had passed in a very long time. And you mentioned a little bit about how this one is different. So about 13 states, I would say, have passed a version of the heartbeat bill. And uh, unfortunately, there have been a lot of lawsuits against those states, 
of those heartbeat bills, and some of those haven't been enacted. But this heartbeat bill is special. Um, so can you explain to our listeners a little bit about how this one is ironclad? Well, I, I think you know that they're on the head that it's ironclad. Well, hmm, how to avoid getting into kind of legal weeds. This, right. you cannot do a, what we call a pre-enforcement challenge, meaning before the law is under effect, this cannot be enjoined because there's no government action. And so let, let's pretend for a moment, um, we had passed a law um, making it uh, murder or something, a crime. Well, the abortion clinics are located in your major metropolitan areas. Um, where they have district attorneys that have all previously publicly said that they want to enforce this law. We see that happening on, on other things, you know, drug-related items where DAs don't enforce it. And so even had we done that, um, these district attorneys, for example, in places like Harris County and Bexar County and Dallas County, et cetera, um, wouldn't have done anything to begin with, right? So we outlawed it. They wouldn't have prosecuted um, the, the baby killer. And so we came with another method to get around that, which is to allow um, people, um, private citizens, a means of enforcing this against the abortionists or anybody that aids and abets them, um, such as the Lilith Fund or, or Jane's due process. Um, it's it's well-worded and I think it's untouchable. Yeah, so, you know, for our listeners, um, some of you may have a law background, some of you may not, but I mean, it's pretty uh, simple in a way, but, you know, this is just different because of you know, the fact that people who want to sue really won't have uh, the ability to sue uh, like they have in other states. So we're really happy that, you know, you and others, you know, really got your legal heads together and came up with a brilliant way to make sure that this heartbeat bill, like once it becomes signed, it will stay law. And so we're very appreciative of your work on that. And it'll save um, taxpayer dollars if anybody was concerned about that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I remember that was actually a comment made in the hearing by someone who, of course, was pro-abortion. And she talked about, you know, isn't it a waste of taxpayer dollars if the AG, you know, tries this? And I think a very savvy testifier said, well, he wouldn't be trying this anyway because it's a civil case. So we're very happy that, you know, this bill as going to the governor's desk, and it looks like he wants to sign it. You know, we've seen a couple of tweets uh, that he said, you know, he's happy about the heartbeat bill passing both chambers and that it's headed to his desk. So we're really happy about that. And we're just grateful, um, you know, for your work on that. Oh, that's um, fine. No, this is for this is for all Texans and baby Texans. And, and your organization, Texas Values, has been there from the start supporting this um, this bill and this idea and helping you get across the finish line. So I just want to thank you guys and any of the supporters of your organization that uh, I don't, I'm not sure it would have been done without y'all. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. And we appreciate your work. And like I said, I think Representative Shelby Sloss and Senator Hughes, they both did an excellent job in carrying this bill. You know, it's a very, you know, contentious issue, even in Texas, uh, you'd be surprised about some of the opposition against this, but we also saw a lot of support this session. Uh, we saw a lot of, you know, just your regular people uh, talking about this, talking about um, that moment they heard that heartbeat and how that was important for them. And so it was great to see so much support on this very important issue. And we're just happy that it's making it to the governor's desk. Now uh, we're gonna switch gears a little bit. So this session, 
your big issue, um, I would say, is probably election integrity. You're chair of the election committee. Um, and, you know, this has been a really huge issue across the country for a very apparent reason uh, because of the recent um, presidential election. But for a while, we've actually, you know, had this issue of, you know, what's happening uh, at the ballot box, you know, what's happening uh, behind the curtain, you know, what happens when people get there, uh, what's being sent in the mail. And so there's been a lot of mystery, a lot of um things that we really want to find out what's going on. And so, um, first of all, just talk about how you were, you know, you became chair of the election committee and how that's been for you this session. I had I'd previously served on the elections committee and uh, it's kind of been an interest, an area of, of law um, of interest of mine for a few years now, and especially in the, I guess, in the interim, I'd worked on some cases dealing with elections, but I, I appreciate that you pointed out this has been a problem long before the 2020 elections. This, these bills are not responses uh, to the 2020 elections. Now, uh, a lot of kind of public outcry came from that, but there are things like this that we try and get done every session. It just happened to be that there was a, uh, maybe an appetite for it finally. What really is a great problem is that when people don't trust their election system, um, we've, we've seen some pollings of people that are just not wanting to go vote, regard, left or right, red or blue. Um, we're then not trusting the laws that we make and enact because they don't feel uh, like the election was valid. And so it's so, so extremely important that we, we reinstill this sense of uh, trust in the electoral system. And it's also important because every vote matters and we should never allow um, a legitimate vote to be you know, taken away or, or, or stricken out by an illegitimate vote. And so it's important for so many reasons. And, and the things that we're doing, of course, um, so many people try and just spread lies about what it really does or, or the motivations behind it. These bills don't prevent anyone um, who's legally voting from voting. If anything, it actually is protecting voters from being taken advantage of, which is what much of the fraud um, is, right? It's, it's taking advantage of, of, of the elderly or, or someone who doesn't speak English or um, is unable to read or write or they're blind. A lot of these things have problems with uh, that stem from that. And so we're seeking to, to be able to protect those people so that who they intended to vote for is, is, is voted and they're not pressured or coerced to, to vote for anyone else. That's true. And I like what you said there about, you know, people being coerced or taken advantage of. I mean, there's been instances where we have heard about, you know, pre-filled ballots or, you know, ballots in the mail that are already filled out. Um, just instances of where, you know, it does call into question, you know, is there fairness going on? So the bill in the House, which HB6, which I believe was your bill, and then we had SB7 um, in the Senate with Senator Hughes. Now, that bill, um, I believe as it stands, it's made it through both chambers. So SB7, I believe, has made it through both chambers. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So that's good. And so this bill is uh, it's pretty long and it has a lot of things in it. So uh, it's, it's a lot longer than you realize. So what occurred in the process is so when uh, at, at, a, the, at a hearing, when I brought up uh, Senate Bill 7 House, I put House, we put House Bill 6 on it. So it became all of House Bill 6. And then what happens is when both chambers are, are different or apart, we then go to uh, conference. And so that the conferees will be named soon. It'll be five people from both uh, both chambers. We're going to then go and, and work on um, a bill essentially made up of both. 
and uh, come out with a what I believe is a, a better bill eventually that will cover everything. And so it's uh, it's it's made up of language from the House and the Senate. That's kind of how it'll it'll occur, and it'll happen soon. And it, it's exciting with with all the myth going on. Um, it was amazing how many people were were asking questions that were were very clearly from the news because they weren't in the bill. It'd be a, about another state, or it'd be about Georgia or something another state's doing. And we're going, that's not in our bill. We're not doing that. I don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're getting your 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 bad information. This doesn't stop anyone from voting that that is allowed to vote. Um, if anything, we're trying to reinstill that trust and uh, protect people from being taken advantage of. Yeah, that's right. You know, I think a lot of people hear from the news and the news definitely portrays these type of bills in a certain light. Uh, so I wanted to go over a few myths. So there's an article, you know, on Daily Signal that kind of goes over some myths about these type of voter bills. And one of those is that it discourages voting or it suppresses votes. So if you can explain to our listeners why that is false about this bill. I can't even imagine what it has to do with it. Some are trying to claim, for example, I'll give an idea, um, people that are eligible for assistance, okay, to be assisted, to be helped at a polling location. And the law, to be eligible for assistance, this is somebody that needs help writing or needs help reading, or they, they're unable to read the ballot and the language in which it's written. These are people generally we see in society as, as easily being taken advantage of. I think that's undeniable. For example, one of in the existing law, there's an oath an assistant must take before they're able to assist somebody. We added to the oath, all we did is added to the oath that you could, you did not uh, coerce or pressure that person into assisting you. Somehow this is being called a way to discourage people from being assisted and therefore discourage voting. It, that it's, it's completely illogical. So all it is just, uh, you know, it's political talking points. Uh, to try and stop a good thing. I can't imagine why people don't want that. Uh, other things such as paying people. Okay, this is hard. We call it harvesting, but it's a better term is trafficking, vote trafficking, right? Paying someone to go and collect and votes and force people to vote certain ways. That's a problem. No one should be okay with it. Yet they're trying to say this is discouraging voters. If anything, we're also trying to standardize it. In Senate Bill 7, there's standardized election times. Now, some counties in Texas go longer and some only have so much we're wanting to say you've got to give people a, a longer period of time no matter where they are so that people in you know loving county and harris county feel like they have the same opportunity to vote i don't know how that's called suppression or discouraging if you think that's literally we're trying to encourage and, and open up voter access that's very good so the next myth they're saying is that you know you're suppressing people by requiring an id uh, so explain how that is false or how that yeah, there's no such thing. to this bill. Yeah. No, yeah. no such thing. Doesn't exist. But doesn't exist in House Bill 6 or Senate Bill 7. Exactly. Exactly. So um, those are the two main ones that I've heard. But you have heard, you know, a lot of people, and I, I'm not quite sure if they've come to Texas yet, but in other states, a lot of companies trying to say, uh, that they will stop doing business or even, you know, certain sports leagues, you know, claiming that they won't play in certain states. But, you know, I kind of see that as a problem with, you know, trampling on people's rights, you know, saying that you have to take a certain position while working maybe at Coca-Cola or, you know, playing in the MLB. So 
explain a little how, you know, the media and some of these, you know, big corporations are actually kind of hurting people's freedoms by, you know, getting out in front and not really reading these bills and displaying a message that's not necessarily true. Well, I think the founders kind of understood and had a healthy uh, caution for for oversized corporations. That's why they we had we approved prohibitions on monopolies and, uh, and antitrust laws. There was an early understanding that it could be very dangerous, and we've come to that point here now in our nation uh, where we have these corporations that are almost maybe too large and too powerful and too influential uh, that throw their weight around. And and thankfully for uh, you know. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick called him out and said, you know, we're not going to be bullied around by you. And I think other leaders here in the state have decided to do the same. And uh, again, I'm not going to let them bully us around. Right. I, we came here to uh, represent, at least for me, my, my party platform, my faith and my values. And we're not going to be bullied by uh, some corporate interest that doesn't care about saving babies or securing people's votes. Yeah, I think that's very good. You know, I mean, we put people in office, first of all, to represent, you know, the concerns of the people. And apparently, you know, a lot of people spoke up about this issue. I mean, I heard about that hearing. I'm not sure if I attended. I attended other long hearings, uh, but I that hearing went quite well into the night. And so, you know, this is an issue that people care about. And you know, I think you're right that, you know, sometimes when corporations are too big and have too big of a voice that can go against what people want. And, you know, people really want to make sure that their elections are fair. And you said something very interesting at the beginning that I actually heard not too long ago that, you know, this is kind of a bipartisan issue. You've had both parties uh, speak out, you know, saying that elections haven't been fair or there have been you know, things that are uh, sketchy, as you could say, going on with, you know, either ballot harvesting or, you know, people assisting people to go vote or mail-in ballots, um, you know, even last election. And I know we said this has been going on for a while, uh, but last election, you even had one county, won't name it, that mailed thousands of ballots to people who didn't even necessarily need them. And so I think, you know, you have to have things in place, obviously, just to have order, like you said, to have standardization, uh, just to make sure that things are fair. So do you think this bill has a good chance of being signed by the governor? I, I at this moment, I, I don't have much of a doubt that it, that it won't be signed to law. And I, I look forward to, to getting out what we call the conference committee report, which will be the final product uh, here soon in the coming days. Very cool. Well, that's great. I mean, you'll have two very big bills that you'll be proud of. I know that you didn't author, you know, the heartbeat bill this session, but I know you worked very hard on it and you'll have the election integrity bills. So those are really two big issues um, that are passing, you know, in Texas and that will become law. And so, you know, it's been a very busy session and it seems like we're getting quite a bit done. Uh, there's a few more things that we want uh, to have passed on our agenda, and I'm sure that you're behind these as well, Representative Briscoe Kane. Um, but we're very happy that you know the life issue uh, up front. You know, I believe the Senate hearing was 
in March. Um, we had the other hearing uh, in the House in April, and you know it's already headed to the governor's desk. And so we're very proud of that. We're very thankful for your work on this issue. Um, and I'll just say a few more words to our supporters. Um, definitely tune in to our Texas Values Reports. Uh, check our Facebook page, check our text alerts, uh, text TX Values to 797979. We'll be sending you information about contacting your legislators like Representative Kane to let them know about certain pieces of legislation to vote for, to be put on calendars or to support. So definitely keep up with what we're doing at the Capitol. Uh, keep listening to us. And as always, we appreciate your financial support. We are a 501c3 organization. Um, so please support us when you can. But thank you, Representative Briscoe King, for being on our radio show and Facebook Live today. We just really appreciate the work you do at the state capitol. Yeah, well, y'all keep going. It, it's not over. This The session's not over while we announced uh, explaining that uh, last night was the, the last time for us to move House bills out on second reading today. They, they would have passed it on third reading. There are still a lot of great Senate bills. There's a lot of bills that are doing conscience protections for medical providers or medical practitioners. We've got some that did with conscience protections for attorneys and judges where it's, it's coming. It is not over. So stay tuned, but keep the pressure up. Um, and continue to, to voice uh, what you want to see at the legislature to your representatives and just know that you've got great advocacy here with Texas Values and Texas Values Action. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much.